happy Easter to you uh, on this wonderful and beautiful Sunday as we celebrate with the millions of Christians around the world on this Resurrection Sunday. As a church, uh, as a body of Christ, this morning we are celebrating and declaring that he was dead, he's been crucified, and he's been in a tomb, but he has risen again. And that is good news for you and good news for me and all of us uh, that believe in Jesus because we were in that tomb, we were dead, we were heading down a road of destruction, but Jesus came and saved us. And we have this new life, this new resurrection, uh, this new direction uh, that we never had uh, before. At uh, June uh, 15th, uh, 2011, I'm not sure if you remember that day. It was a Wednesday, uh, but not any typical uh, Wednesday. Uh, you're probably Googling right now what happened on that day. Uh, but it was Game 7 of the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, between the Vancouver Canucks and the Bruins. I woke up very excited, had some friends over that night to watch Game 7. Uh, maybe the Canucks are going to win the Cup. Uh, and we're going to celebrate as a city. So you got all the snacks ready, you got your dinner ready, you got your friends over, and the game, the puck drops, and you're all excited and cheering, cheering, cheering halfway through the first period. Nothing happens, 0-0. Zero, zero. And then, of course, uh, your favorite player on the Bruins, Brad Marchand, scores the first goal. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, he scores the first goal. And you're like, okay, one nothing, uh, not, not too bad. It's one nothing after the first period. And then the second period, uh, you're cheering for the Canucks, hoping for a miracle, uh, hoping for some sort of action. Uh, but it's 2 nothing, and then 3 nothing after the second period. You're like, no, we can still do this. It's 3 nothing. We still got a chance. Uh, and then they score the fourth goal, and then the city erupted into a riot, as you remember. Uh, and terrible things happened. I don't know what losing a, a sports game, uh, Stanley Cup, as, in, as important as that is, has to do with breaking into the bank uh, and stealing money and whatnot. But anyway, but that was a terrible, uh, terrible day, a day of great expectation, great hope, great joy. You're looking forward to uh, the city winning the Cup and celebrating together, except it, was, it ended up with great disappointment. Uh, with great sadness and great destruction uh, around the city. I had had a cousin in Hong Kong message me within half an hour. like, hey, you guys okay? Like, I, I hear about the riot uh, <laughs> happening in, in Vancouver uh, right now. And, and I wonder, on, on this Resurrection Sunday, I, I wonder if that's, that's what the disciples felt. Uh, but when they woke up that day, and it was a terrible two days, the Lord was crucified. He died on Friday. Saturday, they couldn't go and, and, and get the body ready because it was Sabbath. They had to rest. So no, because of the law, you can't go and touch a, a dead body. So I wonder if that's how the disciples felt on Resurrection Sunday, on, uh, on the first Easter uh, of, 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 of our faith. And the disciples, they went on that early morning, on that Easter Sunday, they weren't expecting him to rise again. They brought spices. If you read in the beginning of chapter 24 and all the gospels, actually, they, they, they bring the spices to go and get the body ready. So they weren't expecting Jesus to, to rise again. They weren't expecting him to come back to life. And, you know, I was cheeky in terms of, you know, talking about the story uh, of, of, the, of the sports game. And for, for the disciples, this was more than a game. You know, this wasn't like a sports game. It wasn't, uh, it was greater than, than, than any hopes and dreams they ever had. This was the Messiah they're talking about. This was the one they've been following. This is the one where they put all their hopes and their dreams into. And they saw him nailed to that cross. They saw him tortured. They saw him die. And they saw him put into the tomb. And they thought on that day that the story was over. So they woke up, I'm sure, with great uh, disappointment. And a question for you this morning is, have you ever been there? Have you been 
at the place where with great disappointment, where you're disappointed in life, uh, maybe you found your dreams uh, shattered before your eyes. You had hopes that you were going in one direction, hopes for your career, uh, hopes for your family, hopes for your schooling, and it was just shattered uh, before your eyes. Or an event in your life where it just left you hurt and confused, asking why did that happen to me and why is this happening to me now? And, and we read in uh, chapter 24, uh, verse 13, uh, the disciples, uh, two of them, in fact, here are talking about their disappointment. They're talking about the, what they're wrestling with. They're talking about what exactly happened. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 13 to 14, I put up the slide there. Now that same day, two of them, uh, two disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles or about 12 kilometers uh, for us Canadian folk, uh, 12 kilometers uh, west of Jerusalem. Uh, they were t talking with each other and about everything that had happened. So we see here, there's two disciples walking along as Cleopas, one, that's one of them. And some early church uh, scholars, some uh, written documents uh, shown that maybe it's Cleopat uh, Cleo Cleopatra, Cleopas's wife. Uh, so it's a couple walking down, going back home to see uh, what was going on. And these two disciples, these, these two followers of Jesus, after seeing what they saw in Jerusalem, they were confused. They had no idea what was going on. They were confused about what just happened. Like, what did I just see there? Like, this was the Savior, the Messiah, the one that we thought was coming to save us uh, from Rome and from, uh, for, from, from ourselves even. And we just saw him hang on that cross. Uh, they were confused about why Jesus died, uh, especially in the real some way that he did. They were confused now about what it meant for them, uh, about their futures. Like, I was following Jesus, and he was saying all these things I believe to be true, but... Now this happened. So what does this mean about me? What, the, what does this mean about my faith? What does this mean about my, my beliefs? And maybe you've been there before. Uh, you've questioned uh, and you're confused of what, what God is doing. And you're asking, God, uh, where, where are you going with this, uh, with this situation in my life? Maybe right now, maybe in the past. Like, what are you doing there? Like, God, what, what are you saying? Uh, how are you acting? How are you moving? And the big idea for us this morning is this on Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the resurrection, as we celebrate the empty tomb, as we celebrate the new life that God has given us for all who believe is this, that the road we walk on determines the road signs we see. The road we're on determines the road signs that we see. And we see here the two disciples walking away from Jerusalem walking away from the scene, walking down a road that's going back home to where they're comfortable, what they thought they knew, uh, into a, a place and activity that brought them a comfort. And if you call yourself a Christ follower this morning, uh, then you understand that the road uh, that we're meant to be on is the road of Jesus, the Jesus road. And I'm calling uh, the, the sermon this, this morning, This Way to Resurrection, that's the title of it. You understand the way to resurrection. You understand the way to new life is through Jesus. And if you're joining us this morning and this is the first message you ever heard, you never opened a Bible before, and you wouldn't call yourself a Jesus follower. Uh, and by the way, we welcome you here. I'm so glad that you can join in on our service. Uh, but this road we walk on, it, it, it determines what uh, we, you see as well by what you believe in, by the faith that you have, whatever faith you have. Uh, and maybe in yourself, maybe in our society, maybe in our education, maybe in our resources. We all have faith in something. Uh, so the road that we're on uh, dictates the road signs that, 
that, that, that we see. And the, the disciples here, they're seeing nothing but, but pain and disappointment and doubt. Uh, and I'm going to get into uh, uh, th those pieces later. But every day, uh, if you're like me, there's a lot of things that go on every single day that dictate which road I'm on. I'm on the road to Jesus. I'm on the road with Jesus and everything is fine. And then something happens and my emotions take over where I switch off to this other road and I'm like, you know, see you later, Jesus, uh, this God that I follow because I'm following, uh, I'm on the road of my emotions or maybe it's our circumstances that everything was great uh, until you got that letter, until you got that phone call, until you heard that news and, and you're on this road to life and all of a sudden it switches over uh, to another road and next thing you know, you're disappointed and disbelief and, and, and you're in pain. Well, just like these two, uh, disciples, uh, when life isn't what we thought, we too can get caught up in the same way where we head back to our Emmaus as well. And I alluded to it where maybe it's a place where you think it's safe, it's home for you, and we fall back on our jobs, on our resources, our physical strength, and our able bodies, places that we find comfort in. Maybe it's the gym, maybe it's outdoors, maybe it's wherever it is, uh, just to feel safe again. But we see here that, that that really isn't the true way to life. And we see now today, especially during this pandemic, through, definitely through what we're going through now, that we can't depend on any of those. That all of those have faded away. Uh, even something we take for granted, like going to the gym uh, or going out for a walk or going to your favorite coffee shop or restaurant or just, just seeing your friends. Like all of those comforts and those things we thought were normal are just taken away from us. And what do we have left at the end of the day here? And we see here that in, in verse 20, uh, 15, uh, as the disciples are talking, uh, as they're discussing this, as they're discussing what exactly they have left, we read this. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself, so the one they're talking about, came up and walked along with them but they uh, were kept from recognizing them. So maybe they weren't looking for him. They weren't expecting to see him. Uh, we don't know exactly why uh, they didn't recognize him, but, but they didn't. Verse 17, they asked them, uh, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Uh, and right here, they stood still, the face is downcast. And in verse 18, we read this, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? I love that question by, by Cleopas. And like if we understand this passage, they're walking along and Jesus shows up. And as Jesus asked them, like, what are you talking about, guys? Like, hey, I want to join in on this discussion. They literally stopped right then and there in their tracks. And they looked over to Jesus and were like, where have you been? Like, have you not understood what's been going on? You know, do you not no, like, are you the only one in the world right now? The only one in the city that doesn't understand what is going on? Like, maybe you've had those moments yourself before where you can't believe someone asked you that question. Um, a couple of years ago, someone looked at me that way when I discovered for the first time that blueberries aren't blue on the inside. Uh, and I, and I, and I said, what blueberries aren't blue on the inside? And like, what? and they gave me that look exactly. Um, if you didn't know that, it's okay. I saved you from much disappointment and uh, embarrassment. Uh, but you maybe had those times too, where someone uh, asked this question, you're like, well, where have you been? Uh, like, have you been living under a rock? And you can imagine Jesus muttering there. It's like, well, I've actually been in a rock in the cave for three days. And I kind of just came out, but you know, uh, anyway, you, you don't understand. I'll explain to you uh, later. And he goes on in verse 19 there. 
Jesus is a funny, uh, he has a great humor. He says here, what things, right? Like what things tell me, no, tell me more. I actually, you know, I was there. I, you know, I lived it. I, I, I experienced it, but what things he asked and about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And you know, word indeed before God and all the people and the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Now, again, remember where the context that we're in, there's two disciples walking away from Jerusalem, away from the scene of the crucifixion, away from pain, away from chaos, away from uh, um, the, um, the disciples as well, who's gathering there trying to figure out what's going on. And when they're on this road away from God on the road, that's uh, that God's not calling them to be on. What do they see? They, in that moment, they see death. That's all they focus on. They see death. That's the road to, to death. Uh, they, they, they were leaving this place. They were saying, all I saw there was Jesus crucified. He was sentenced to death and that's it. That was the death of my hopes the death, death of my dreams, the death of, of everything that I knew. And in our time now, our world is experiencing death. Uh, last time I checked over, over 100,000 from COVID-19. Death is something that we're experiencing uh, in this moment across the world, across the globe. And you have experienced death too. If, if you uh, experienced it with a loved one in your family, um, and as I shared before, when I was with parents that experienced the death of uh, the mourning, the loss of, 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 their, of, of their kid, uh, parents have experienced that kind of death, uh, loss. They know death. They understand the pain uh, of death, whether the child is born or not. There's a certain kind of pain when it comes from parents losing their child. There's death uh, all uh, of a dream as well, not maybe not physically of a loved one, but there's a death of a dream that you once had. Uh, for me, it was playing sports and playing baseball. For you, it might have been certain jobs, certain academic, uh, certain goal that you had. Uh, maybe it was a death of the relationship. Uh, you thought things were going well, but it ended very quickly and abruptly. You didn't understand what was happening here. And here we see the disciples as they're going away from Jerusalem, away from Jesus. That, that's all they focused on. But for those of us that know Jesus, for those of us that understand Jesus and what his life and resurrection means, we know that death isn't the end for us. That yes, as Christians, we're not, we're not, we're not, um, um, it's not we're saying we never die because we know physically we will. But we know that physically our bodies are just a shell onto eternal life forever for those of us that know Christ. That death isn't the end. That when we're on the road to Jesus, the way to resurrection, that there is life and we know that this life isn't it. So the road that you're on dictates the road signs that you see. They were on this road away from God and they were just focusing on death. And the passage continues on in verse 21. And they said this. So they said they crucified him, but we had hoped. This is what they had hope, hoped in, that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, there's more to this. Some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. You think that's a good thing. That's a hint right there. That should be joyous occasion. And they came back and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. So in this moment, they still didn't understand. All they could focus on was like Jesus died and his body wasn't there. I don't exactly understand what has happened here, but here we see on this 
road that they're walking on towards um, towards their home, towards their, their comfort zone, away from God, is that they saw hopelessness. That they're just in this hopeless state. That this life is it. What I'm experiencing right now is it. There's nothing more to rejoice in. Uh, everything I hoped in, it didn't come into being. Uh, this understanding for us here of uh, we had hoped is that we had hope. We, we, we were hoping before, but now this hope is dead. Now this hope I, I don't have anymore. It's of the past. And we're hoping that Jesus will come and redeem us. It's an illustration and a word used for uh, redeeming uh, people in the, in, in the slave trade. So someone has come to redeem me out of the slavery, that that was the hope that I have. Away, and for them, it was away from the Roman Empire, away from whatever it is that's tying them down to their lives. And all of that was, was, was gone. And that speaks to us here today as well in our time that we have hopes, you have hopes, you have dreams, uh, you had hope for something in your life as well. And maybe it hasn't come into realization either. And for some of us, with the way that the world is going, with your past and your struggles and your pain and your loss, your hope is running on fumes right now. You're like, I don't know if there is a tomorrow. I'm walking on this road right now and all I see is death and all I see is hopelessness. But on this Sunday, on this resurrection Sunday, we know that even though this life isn't what we hope for, it might not be going the way that we thought. There is a hope that is unshakable because of Jesus who rose from the grave, because of Jesus who came back to life. That maybe your career wasn't what you hoped for. Maybe your family situation didn't end up the way that it is in now. Maybe life hasn't been good and you're struggling. But that's exactly the moment, exactly the time that Easter has something to say to you. It's in this time, not when life is good, not when every, you're on the mountaintops. It's in these moments where Easter means all the more. Because in a place of destruction on the cross where where the disciples thought that it was God's weakest moment. That was actually his greatest moment of strength. That was his greatest triumph. His weakest moment was his greatest strength in that moment. And I believe God is speaking life into those moments in you right now, that in your weakest moments, whether it's in the present or whether it was in the past or whether it's going to come in the future, that in those moments, God is going to raise hope in you that you're going to turn around and not walk down this road of hopelessness and turn back towards God because Easter has something to say for you today that's not just a resurrection of a God 2,000 years ago but he's still doing it every single day resurrecting hopeless situations resurrecting hopeless lives resurrecting broken marriages and broken relationships resurrecting a, a, a pain and loss and suffering even though we might not see it here we know that there is a hope that's waiting for us in the future that is not changed by our circumstances here but the disciples here as they're walking on this road that's all they could see because the road that we're on dictates and determines the road signs that we see around us they weren't on the road going to jesus but they're going away in verse 25 it goes on saying he said to them jesus said to them how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So he pauses right here and it's fascinating because he's, he tells his disciples that you got it right. 
you have all the puzzle pieces. You have all you need to know about this faith, about this God. That's exactly what happened. But yet you're, uh, you're slow to believe. So on this road, as they're walking away from God, it's the road signs that they're seeing, it's, they're, it's marked by doubt. It's marked by disbelief. Though they heard what Jesus had said, though they saw what Jesus had done, they were with him when they saw his miracles, when he rose people from the, from the dead, when he healed the sick. Even though they saw and they heard and they know, they still had their doubts. And some of you today have doubts about the resurrection. And Howard, uh, he's going to speak on that next week about uh, Thomas and his doubts on the resurrection. So come back for that. That's going to be a good one. But some of you have doubts about the resurrection, whether Jesus really did come back from the grave. What we have in, in history, we have in the written records, Jesus didn't only died. He wasn't only buried, but he did rise again from the witnesses and from the people that were around. And they had doubts here. The disciples had doubts whether Jesus is who he said he was because he was all powerful, but we saw him weak and broken on, on that cross. They were doubting whether Jesus, uh, everything he said is really true. And they were doubting themselves. They're doubting whether they heard correctly, whether their faith is genuine, uh, whether uh, what they believed is really what they're believing. You, you know, you ever been there where you're thinking, well, is what I'm believing really what I'm believing? And you get caught up in these, uh, these mind traps. Well, these disciples were, were, were so discouraged and they were disappointed. They had doubts and they're wrestling with disbelief. That was the road sign. That was what this road was marked by. Uh, they were discouraged when they really didn't have to be because they were on the right track. They got the point. They're on the, the way to getting the point to what, what God is doing. And we see here that the issue here isn't about knowing more because they labeled all the, labeled all the evidence. Uh, Jesus, like you got all the points here, but it was actually a, a matter of believing in their hearts. It was moving what they knew in their minds to their hearts and really uh, gripping with that, having that change their lives. And, and it is about to change with what Jesus is about to say. And when Jesus is saying, you're slow to believe all that the prophets have said, he's saying, you've heard it all. You know it all. You have all the pieces, but you're having trouble putting it back together. It's, it's like this. It's like you have all the pieces to that Ikea furniture. Um, and you don't know how to put it together. Uh, maybe you're missing the picture. Can you imagine? Uh, Ikea furniture is supposed to be simple, but I'm putting together some pretty complicated pieces where I'm like, man, this isn't simple at all. But imagine you're building that bed frame, you're building that shelf, and you don't even know what it's supposed to look like. You have all the pieces in front of you. You have it laid out all in front of you, uh, and you don't know what it's supposed to look like, and maybe you can try to figure it out, but you, you're like, I don't know what it's supposed to look like, so how am I supposed to put this together? Or maybe it's puzzles. Some of you love puzzles. Uh, some of you find it very peaceful. Uh, it doesn't raise up peace in me. It makes me, um, <laughs> makes me more upset and angry because I can't solve it. Uh, but you no, know, puzzles, maybe it's for you. Like, can you imagine trying to put a puzzle together and you don't know what the picture looks like? So this is what the disciples are in. They have all the pieces, but they don't understand how, what the, what's the picture. Uh, what is going on here? And this is where Jesus comes in. He, and, and we read here that, that he taught uh, about himself, right? He taught about himself. He taught about uh, what is going on in verse 27 there, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Uh, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He didn't talk about something else. 
he didn't bring about any other illustration. He talked about himself and he talked about what he is doing. He talks about scripture and how a scripture, how every piece of scripture points towards him. Can you imagine like that Bible study? Like, can you imagine like Jesus himself, like opening up the scriptures and doing a Bible study? Like I'm sure like Cleopas and after that's like, man, I'm done. Like, you know, like Jesus, you take the wheel there. Like, you no, know, you, you go and you, you, you teach all that. I, I can't, I can't do the way that, that, that you did. But he teaches about himself. And that's a really important fact for us. If you're wrestling with doubt and disbelief and you're on this road where you can't see the end, you can't see what God is doing uh, because of this, we doubt God because we don't understand the plans of God. We don't understand the plans of what he's doing. We don't understand the greater picture of what he's doing. If you understand what God is doing, if you understand the scriptures, you see Jesus in every single page, you see why he had to go and die for humanity, which is to reconcile us to him because there was a debt that we couldn't pay from our sin, from things that don't please God, that only Jesus can pay. We understand that that's why he had to do it. That's why he had to rise again to show that, you know what? Even death doesn't have power over this God, that he controls all things. And death is one of the most feared forces that we know of. And death is nothing to Jesus. Death is nothing compared to this God, that everything begins to change in our lives and in, in, in these disciples' lives when they see Jesus, when they read of Jesus, when they understand what Jesus is doing, because all scripture points to Jesus. All of life points to Jesus. Jesus is the key that opens the door. Jesus is the road and the way that we walk on. Jesus is the glue that holds everything together. Jesus is the light that shines in times of darkness. Jesus is everything. He's in all and he's through all. And we see him in all things. And for those of us who follow Jesus, for those of us who see that your life is secure in that because you know that this life isn't it. You know that there is more, that in the life afterwards, there's a lot more, eternity more, that's waiting for us. And it pales in comparison to what we're going through here today. So if you want to shake out of your disbelief, you want to get off of this road and go follow Jesus, see and read and study scripture, not in a way that it's just about studying, but it's about following Jesus. It's about following his ways, it's about following him and what he is doing and his call in your life because the key to understanding the bible as complicated as it can be is as simple as this it's just to see jesus in every single page to see what he is doing and what he is saying and how he speaks into your situation so we see here the disciples on this road and is marked by disbelief and doubt is marked by pain uh, and, and suffering and, and, and death is marked by hopelessness and i love this and this is key for us this morning on this road, even though they're seeing all those road signs, I love this about Jesus, that this is where Jesus meets them at. It wasn't in a perfect place where there's a music playing in the background. When you're on that mountaintop and the sun is rising and everything is beautiful, that Jesus shows up. No, it's in the darkness, is in the wrestling, is in the pain, is in your moments of questioning that Jesus meets these disciples is in this place of death and hopelessness and disbelief that he meets his disciples and we have to ask the question of why and i often thought i used to think that jesus came just to fix my problems you know whatever struggles i have whatever pain i have whatever loss i have he's just to come in to put a band-aid on it and just to take it away and to fix my problems but we learn here that jesus isn't just coming to fix our problems 
He's here to change the road we're on. He's here to utterly lift us up and change the direction that we're going on. And we see that's the turning point for these disciples. In verse 28, as they approached the village, as they're talking to Jesus, in which, to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. Jesus, stay with us. We need your presence here. They didn't know it yet, but for it was nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was this plea for Jesus to stay with them, to be in relationship with them. Verse 30, when he was at the table and with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And as I was saying, we often think that we need to search for God in mysterious places. That we need to go to the tomb. We need to travel around the world. We need to find these mystical places. But no, God meets us where we are. Because this God is everywhere. He's in all things. He can be anywhere at all times. He's with us right now. He's with you right now. And the disciples went to see the tomb, but he wasn't there because he was out with people. He was out in plain sight. He was here and he revealed himself through a common meal. Some people think it might have been communion, but I don't think so. It's not that detailed. It's him sharing a meal there uh, with his, his people. And, and it's very fascinating here that some commentators said that, imagine, not imagine, as you read back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, when they took their first meal, it was with the forbidden fruit. It was a place that they shouldn't be in. It was eating a fruit, a meal that they shouldn't be eating. And after they ate that, their eyes were opened as well, but that led to death. But the first thing after Jesus was resurrected, his disciples here were having a meal with him. And they ate with Jesus and what? Their eyes were opened, but this meal led to life. The presence of Jesus led to life. This meal with Jesus led to life. That the presence of Christ changes everything. It changes the road that we're on. And they asked here when, when Jesus disappeared, it's like, are our hearts burning within us? Did you not feel him resonating within you? That God was speaking truth, that God is reaching out to us. I didn't, wasn't sure that was Jesus or not. I wasn't thinking about that, but there's something within me that was resonating, feeling like God was reaching out to me. So after that, they responded. In verse 33, they got up and returned. They changed direction. They changed direction from the road that they were on, from the road of destruction, road of pain, road of death, road of doubt and disbelief and disappointment. And they changed direction. They got up and they returned to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen. The words that the church is proclaiming here today, some 2000 years later, it is true. The Lord has risen, has appeared to Simon. And I love that because Simon was the one that rejected and was broken. And Simon needed to hear that. And for those of you that have turned away from Jesus, you need to hear that this morning, that God is still reaching out to you this very moment. And then the two, what had happened, uh, told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So they turned around and they returned back to Jerusalem. And they returned back to God. And I love the physical imagery of this because Emmaus is west of Jerusalem. So when you're traveling away from Jerusalem, you're traveling towards the place where the sun sets. But when they turned around, back east, 
back towards Jerusalem. They're traveling towards where the sun rises. They're traveling back towards where there's life, where there's resurrection. They're saying, I was going the wrong way, but now I'm going back towards the way, towards resurrection. And church, I just want to say this to you this morning. Whatever you've been through, the story doesn't end here. The story hasn't ended for you. Whatever hope you had, whatever dreams you had, whatever loss you've gone through, whatever disappointments, whatever pain you've been through, God has more for you. And I don't say that as wishful thinking, but I say that in truth and declaration because of the resurrection, because of the new life that he brings. And because of that, we don't need to fear illness. We don't need to fear pain. We don't need to fear anything. You're not defined by your loss. You're not defined by your pain. You're not defined by your struggles of the past and your, your struggles now. Did you make a wrong turn before and were you on the wrong road? Maybe. Are you going down the wrong road at this moment? Perhaps, but there's still an opportunity for you this moment right now to turn away and say, God, I need you. I need this new life because all I see in this life is hopelessness. All I see is death. All I see is disappointment. All I see is doubts and disbelief, and I need you. And God's saying to you this morning, you're not a failure. You're not a loser. You're not a mistake. You're not a nobody. You're someone that I know, that I died for, that I went to the cross for, that I was buried in the tomb for, and I rose again for. That is who you are, that you are my son, and you are my daughter, and you're the sons and daughters of the king, and because of that, you are loved. You're a cherished way more than you could ever know. So maybe you're listening in today and you're feeling your heart's burning at this moment. And I'm saying, don't ignore it anymore. Say yes to God. Turn back to him and say, I need you. Every single day, say, I need you. We might be on the wrong road, but say, God, I need you because he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. That's what we've seen here on the cross. And starting today on Resurrection Sunday, it's a new world. It's a new day. It's a place where God is doing something new in your heart. So if you're feeling that burning at this moment, whether you believed in him before, you said yes to Jesus, and you call yourself a Christ follower, or you haven't made that dedication yet, say yes to him again. Because maybe, just maybe today is your turning point. It's your turning point from whatever it is you're wrestling with, whatever hopelessness you're feeling. Does it change the sickness in your body? Does it change the situation around us? Does it change whatever it is you're going through? Maybe not, but it does change eternity in the way that you see and the circumstances that you're interpreting and the way that you see the world. So I'm hoping, church, that today you would turn towards God's road you return this way to resurrection, you're, that you would step into God's future. You're stepping into God's peace. You step into God's hope. You step into his presence. And you're stepping into new life forever. Let me just pray for us. Father, this morning, on this Resurrection Sunday, we just say once again, it is true. You have risen. And because of that fact, whatever dead situations in our lives, maybe it's our physical bodies even, whatever deadness in our lives has come back to life, Father. Whatever hopelessness we are going through has turned into hope. Whatever, whatever, uh, 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 um, whatever pain we're going through, whatever chaos in our heart, 
is turned into joy and turned into peace this morning because of what you have done on the cross and because you have risen again. So Father, I pray for us this morning that we will turn away from the ways that we're going, that we'll go onto the road of Jesus and go into Jerusalem and go back towards where you are and say, you are risen. And because of that, we have this new life. And Father, at this moment, I just want to give us a moment to respond. For those of us that do not yet know you, Jesus, at this moment, may we feel our hearts burning that even though we have all the pieces, we don't understand it, God, you are that final piece. You are that glue that makes it all together. So Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters and the people listening now at this moment that are going to say yes to Jesus, that in this moment, may you affirm in their heart that you are the one that you are true, that you're real, that you're the one that we've been looking for. And may they say yes to you. So if that's you this morning, may you just repeat after me. No one's going to hear you except you and between you and God. And say this, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the life that you lived. Thank you for the death that you died. Thank you for the way that you've been buried, but only to be raised again to prove that you have power over death. And Lord, this morning, I believe in you and I accept you into my heart, that you are my Lord, that you are my Savior, that you are my life. And starting this moment, God, I turn away from the road that I was on and I turn to, onto the road that you have called me to, a road of peace, a road of love, a road that leads to everlasting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.